If you have your Bible, turn with me to Revelation chapter 8. I mean, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And we are uh, continuing in our God's report card for the church. If you have not got one of these uh, devotions and small group leadership books, it's all in one. Pastor Kim wrote this, put it together using the sermon material. We did our own this year instead of purchasing a, a packet. Now, we've done some, we purchased some great ones and, and used those. Y'all been blessed by that. We have, but we decided we just really felt led to do our own this year, and it's called God's report card for the church. So these are free of charge. Now, we never turn down a donation, you know that. But anyway, so you can throw it in the bucket if you like. But make sure that if you didn't get one of these on the way in, that you get one in our Welcome Center on the way out. And uh, also, our college group, our college age ministry, so you don't have to be a current student, college age ministry, and, and we anywhere around college age, you are welcome to come and be with us on Wednesday nights at 7 uh, p.m., in the Mercy House, that's the brick house right behind the uh, old part of the church that we're about to tear down, but the, the, uh, the Mercy House right back there, and we are meeting at 7, and um, don't get jealous, y'all, but Miss Shirley has been cooking a little bit for us, amen, and she is our cook, uh, her and her Cooking for Jesus team, and um, college age, you want to be there this Wednesday night, here's why, because we're having camp chicken. And if you've ever been to camp or Wednesday night suppers, you will know what that is. So anyway, just try, am I trying to entice you? Yes. Okay. So uh, you will not want to miss that. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. And I better say that Pastor Kim also has her Zoom uh, Bible study at 6.30 on Zoom for all adults that want to be a part of that. Amen. Let us hear God's word. Beginning with verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, your tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you. We love you, and we just worship you right now. We pray that as we hear your word, we will be inspired by it. We will be challenged by it. We will be changed by it, and we'll never get over it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are into our second week of God's Report Card for the Church. This is a series that is given report card time to the churches. It's whenever John was on, uh, he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. 
And on the Isle of Patmos, uh, Jesus came to him and revealed to him what he should write. And, um, and so he, he starts most of these from the first and the last. And the one that came who was dead but came to life, he's talking about Jesus. So he got this revelation from Jesus. And, and so we see last week we looked at the report card for the, book, uh, for the church of Ephesus. In Ephesus, it said, you've done good with your theology. You've done good keeping your doctrine straight and weeding out who's right and who's wrong and that kind of thing. You've done good on your work, but I have one thing against you. Yep, I've got one thing against you. He says, you have lost your first love. You've lost your first love. And we learned that if we are going to work, be the church that God's called us to be, we cannot lose our first love who is Jesus. And if we have our first love, then we're going to tell somebody about him. If he's still our first love, we're going to make his mission our priority. And if he's still our first love, we are going to love one another. And so this week we're looking at the church of Smyrna. Now, the church of Smyrna was located in a beautiful city of wealth and commercial greatness. It had a large Jewish population. And he writes here because, see, most of the Jews, many of the Jews, they were okay with this new sect, this new group called Christianity and all. They were like, we can live in peace. You know, we don't believe like them, but we can live in peace and all. But there were a group of them. And these are the ones that he says are not really Jews. And he says they're from the synagogue of Satan. And listen to what it says there in verse 9. I know your works, your tribulation, and your poverty, but you are rich. And I know that blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. I don't know about you, but I would not want to be called the synagogue of Satan. Amen? Doesn't sound like that will end very well. But we see here that they are a people who are being persecuted. They were being, uh, they were being physically afflicted. Some of these folks were getting thrown in jail. Some of them were going through torture. Some of them were dying for their faith. Some of them were being economically afflicted, and they couldn't buy or sell certain things. I don't know about y'all. It sounds like some of that stuff... Never mind, I won't go there. But anyway, but, but the thing is, is, is that certain things are, couldn't be sold or bought and all, and they were, they were being economically afflicted as well. Now, here in America... You know, I mean, we, I don't think we have really experienced persecution, religious persecution for our Christianity like some of, the, of our brothers and sisters overseas. I mean, in communists and some Islamic countries, there are people being put to death. They're in underground churches. By the way, I want you to know that those churches are thriving. Something about that that just makes the church thrive. Maybe it's because they really rely on Jesus a little more than we do. But anyway, I'm not preaching on that today. But but we know that there could come a time and there are times that we feel like we are in a situation that we need to persevere through because that's what he's saying you have persevered he's saying that to the church of Smyrna you are a church of perseverance and he's given them an A when it comes to that and so I want to look at first of all just a few conditions that the church in America must persevere through Number one is this. I think the first condition that the church of America needs to, uh, that, that we must persevere through is the condition of complacency. See, I think this threatens our church much more than any government, much more than any laws, but the condition of complacency. In other words, we suffer from the condition, from the condition of just being comfortable. 
You know what I'm saying? We're just comfortable as the church. We're just comfortable with 24 or 124 and no more. We just find ourselves just comfortable in that way. In that way. Many churches are suffering from this. I don't want to be one of those churches that are just comfortable being the size we are, the way we are, and, 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 and what we have. No, we want to be growing and thriving. In fact, Jim Collins, uh, some years ago, wrote a book. It was actually a business and leadership book. Our, our former bishop, Bishop Gwynn, loved this book, made everybody read it, and his, his cabinet read it, and everybody, and it was called Good to Great. Some of you may remember whenever that book came out. And it talked about, he, he looked at several um, CEOs and several, uh, several companies and how they excelled in the very same conditions that other companies and other uh, organizations did not. And what were the factors in that? And one of the th premises of the book is this. He says, if the opposite of greatness is not badness. In other words, the opposite of great is not bad. The enemy of great is not bad. No, the enemy of great is good. Because if we are satisfied just being good, we will never strive for greatness. Amen? That right there will teach in every area of our life. If we are okay with mediocre, if we are okay, mediocre, I'm sorry, anyway, that sounded like I said okra. But anyway, but if we are okay with mediocre, if we are okay with just getting by, we will never be who God wants us to be. Amen? And we will never do what God wants us to do. So I pray that we don't suffer and that we can persevere through the condition of complacency. I'll tell you, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, I just can't wait for things to get back to normal. You know what? I hope that we are never normal again. Now, don't get me wrong. I hope we're not wearing masks. I hope we're not separating. I hope we're coming to a time that we don't have to limit our space and all of that. I'm ready to fill this place up and be on fire for Jesus. But let me tell you, amen, amen. But I pray that we will never just be business as usual again. But we will have a new strength, a new passion to go and reach people for Jesus. The second condition is the condition of change. The condition of change. Listen, the condition of change. Sometimes change is not easy. And especially it is not easy for the church. Now I want you to hear this. This is a... This is a principle here that we are going by, that we live by. The message never changes. The message of the church should not change, but the method must change. The message of the church should never change, but the method must change. In other words, the gospel doesn't change. The word of God doesn't change. But how we proclaim the Word of God does change. We saw this with this pandemic. There were many churches that never thought that they would ever have to do Facebook online church or in any way like that. Now, we were blessed that we were already doing church online, that we were already live streaming and things because we were just doing it. And, and since then, we've uh, really kind of uh, upgraded on that and worked hard to do that, and we got great teams that are doing that. But the thing about it is... It doesn't matter if we're getting it here or if we're getting it on that camera. And, and, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, we'll never be the same again. 
We got folks that, you know, I ask y'all to share it sometime. There's somebody that watches us every Sunday morning from Pennsylvania, from Pennsylvania because their grandmother shared it on Facebook. And so we, we're, we're seeing these kind of things happen. So we'll never be the same again. And, and so the message should never change, but the method must change. And change hurts sometimes. But I, I love what Leonard Sweet said one time. He said, the church will go into the 21st century, change or die. I mean, literally. It's either we change or die. How many of you know that any organism, any organism, especially the human body, if there's ever a point in our life that we stop changing, we are dead. I mean, think about it. If there's ever a point in our life that we stop exchanging oxygen and for CO2, and, and if there's ever a point that we ever stop our, our skins making new skin and the old skin's coming off, and that's why you get those dust bunnies in the bedroom and all and, and everything. And so, you know, um, I'll stop there. But anyway, but, but if that ever stops, if that ever stops, you know what? That means we're dead. Change or die. It's the same thing with the church. The message cannot change, but the church must, and we must persecute. I mean, we must persevere, not persecute. We must persevere through change. And last is this, the condition of division. We must persevere through the condition of division. And we know that right now that, 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 that our world is divided in so many ways. We know political division is all over the place. And we have to persevere through that. And sometimes and, and we, have to, we have to make our way through that. And we have to make peace with that somehow. And, and do what we can to bring things together. I know that there's a denominational division. And there's going to be a denominational division. And I'll just go ahead and say sometimes I think certain divisions need to happen so that multiplication can take place. I mean, think about Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, finally, they just couldn't see eye to eye. They said, look, we're going to both do the work of the gospel, but we're going to do our separate ways and do it the way God's called us to do it. And if that has to happen, sometimes that has to happen. But we, as a local church, must persevere with the mission in mind and the vision in mind, even in the midst of the vision that may be around us. Amen? Amen. And so there's that condition of division. But maybe some this morning... Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're in here and you're persevering, not through those conditions, but through a personal condition. Maybe you're persevering through a sickness. Maybe you're persevering after getting a certain doctor's report. Maybe you're persevering after a surgery. Maybe you're persevering after you're taking care of someone that's sick. Maybe you're persevering over a, a, through an overwhelming responsibility. Or maybe you're persevering through the persecution of a co, uh, from a co-worker or from a boss in some way. Or maybe you're persevering through a, marriage, a marital challenge or a breakup or, or family problems. Or maybe it's sickness. and Whatever it is. God is calling us to persevere, and he wants to help us persevere through that. So this morning, really quickly, just want to give you some advice, God's advice, actually, for persevering and overcoming. What is God's advice that we get here from the Revelator through Jesus for persevering and overcoming? Number one is this. Acknowledge your blessings. Acknowledge your blessings. Look at what he writes here. He knows they are going through tribulation. He knows that they are going through poverty, that they are being, uh, there's like economic sanctions on some of them. And look, look he says in verse, uh, verse 9a, I know your works, tribulation, 
and poverty. But then in parentheses he says, but you are rich. How could he say that you are rich after he says, I know that you're in tribulation, I know that you're in poverty, but you are rich. How? Because he knows that there is more to being rich than has anything to do with money. Amen? He's saying, yes, you may be in poverty financially, but you are not in poverty when it comes of a love of a people that will come around you when things get tough and they will be there for you and they will pray for you and God will fill you with His presence and He will walk with you every step of the way. He says, you may feel like you are in poverty, but you are really rich. Amen? Amen. And we need to acknowledge our blessings. We need to acknowledge the blessings that we don't have to do this alone. We get to acknowledge our blessings that we are blessed in so many other ways that maybe it's not the ways we think blessings should be, but it's the way that blessings need to be for us to persevere. And that's what God says. Acknowledge them. Acknowledge those relationships. Acknowledge those blessings. Acknowledge who God's put in your path or put in your, or the church that you're going to and what, what you can be a part of and plug in and do for the kingdom. Acknowledge the blessings. Second is this. Do not fear. Do not fear. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a tough one. Do not fear. If you watch the news, you're going to fear. If you get on TikTok, you're going to fear. Unless you just watch the funny ones, all right? Then you're just going to go crazy. But anyway, the, um, uh, but, but if, if, you, if you get on some of the other social media, you're going to fear. If you believe everything that you see on there, you're going to fear. But he says, do not fear. Look at what it says there in Revelation 2.10. He says, do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. In other words, he says, you're about to suffer. Isn't that something God says, don't fear, but hey, you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Now, remember, numbers meant something in, in apocalyptic literature and it wasn't talking about just ten days. It was talking about unlimited, infinite. In other words, it could be a while. You're going you're gonna to suffer for a while. And suffering doesn't come from God. We see here suffering comes from the enemy. Amen? And, and the enemy's going to throw you in jail and you're going to be tested and you're going to be try and go through trials and tribulations and it may take a while and it may even be to death. But he says, do not fear. I, I know Pastor Barry and other pastors have pointed it out before, but did you know that the Bible says don't fear or do not fear or fear not 365 times it is said. I think that is awesome. There is a do not fear or a fear not for every day of the year. And we need to start walking in that and living in that. Because even whenever we see, even whenever we see that, that it's going to be hard, and it doesn't mean we won't get anxious, it doesn't mean we won't have uh, concern, it doesn't mean that we don't sometimes, but we cannot let fear have the upper hand. And he says, do not and the last is this. He says, be faithful unto death. Look at verse 10, the last part of it. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good. A crown of life. Be faithful unto death. Now, you've got to understand, he was preaching 
to some folks that he knew, or he was writing to some folks that he knew would probably, most likely, die for their faith. They would probably die for their faith. And what it tells us is that Christianity is not just a one-time, one-moment kind of thing. Christianity is a lifelong commitment all the way till the death. Christianity is not about just that moment when you get saved at the altar or at a retreat or whatever. Don't get me wrong, that is a great moment, but it is much more than just moments. Christianity is about living a process where we are growing closer and closer to God. I know whenever I talk to, pre, uh, to couples in premarital counseling, I'll say to them now, I know you hear a lot of times that 20 years down, what you want to do is do something to spark the flame so that you love that person as much as you did on that day of your wedding. And I, said that, I, I say that's pretty much hogwash. I said, no, you want to be able to say 20 years in that you love that person a lot more than you did on the day of your wedding. In other words, every day you should be loving your spouse and that spouse should be loving you a little more and a little more. It should be like that Southern Gospel song. It gets sweeter as the days go by. And our love should grow. Our relationship should grow. And if there's ever a time that mine and Tina, if I don't love her tomorrow more than I loved her today, and if I don't love her today more than I loved her yesterday, then me and Tina, we got, we got work to do. We got work to do. Along with some kissing. Amen. But anyway, I'll just leave that. But I'll stop there. Stop there. Ready, G. But anyway, but, but no. But, it, and, but it's the same way with our relationship with Jesus. Our Christian walk is a walk that we should grow closer and closer to Christ. And it is a lifelong commitment. Even faith till the end. Because listen, he knew some of them would be dying for their faith. There were martyrs in the early church. Those that gave their life for their faith. And until death meant something to them. In fact, there was this guy by the name of Polycarp. And he was from the church of Smyrna, most likely died during this time. Um, uh, during this time, well, he died for sure. But anyway, he was, being, he was told that he had to uh, deny Christ. He was commanded to deny Christ or he would die. And here's what he said. He said, 80 and 6 years have I served him, and he never did me wrong. I said, you know what, if that would have been the day, uh, they would have made a southern gospel song out of that. Amen. Eighty and six years I served him, and he never did me wrong. He said, so how can I now blaspheme my king that has saved me? And he went on to his death. Folks, God wants us to be faithful to the end. He wants us to continue this walk, and that's what persevering means. It means it may get tough sometimes, but we can continue there was a, a modern-day monk that would go out into the desert and people would follow him, and he would go out for usually 40 days. And what he would do during those 40 days is that he would go out and pray and fast and all. And there were certain folks that would follow him out there and sit out there with him and, 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 and pray and stuff. And, but oftentimes, just several days in, many of those others would go in and they would leave him. And finally, it would be him all by himself out there. And a reporter come out and asked him one day, he said, why do all the folks come out for, uh, at the beginning, but then little by little, you know, they go in and you're the last one standing out here. You're the last one left all by yourself. And he said, well, it's kind of like when a hunting dog. I think it's awesome having a monk talk about hunting dogs. But anyway, he said, it's kind of like a hunting dog 
And that hunting dog, you take them out, and for whatever reason, all of a sudden there's a rabbit. And that one dog catches not only the scent, but actually sees the rabbit and takes out after the rabbit. Well, if any of you have ever hunted, hunted dogs, we used to hunt dogs at Bladen County and deer, deer hunting and rabbit hunting stuff. And, but anyway, you know that once one catches, other ones will start following and they are all going there, and they start... I won't make the sound effects for you like I did at 8.15. But anyway, but, but they're, they're all going. But after, I mean, but that rabbit was good. Now, rabbits all circle around. You know, that's why they talk about preachers. Oh, that preacher was chasing a rabbit this morning. That means he was just circling around, circling around, you know. So if I'm ever doing that, say, Tim, stop. But he said that rabbit was good. That rabbit was going, and, and little by little, those other dogs... They left. They caught another scent. They went, did something else. But that one dog that saw the rabbit, he just kept on and kept after that rabbit until finally they caught that rabbit. They got that rabbit. The desert monk asked the reporter, he said, do you know why that dog never quit chasing that rabbit? And the reporter said, no, why? He said, because that was the only dog who actually saw the rabbit. And folks... If we want to be faithful to the end, we need to be looking to see Jesus every chance we can in every way we can. Maybe it's not physically like that dog saw the rabbit, but to see his work, to see his way, to get into his word. To, we, we, we want to experience Jesus because when we've truly seen Jesus, when we've truly experienced him, then when the tough times come, we're not going to want to quit. Whenever I was, amen, whenever I was running that mile, whenever I was in high school, and by the way, I never smiled. I've never seen a happy runner. But anyway, I, but I was running that mile. I would keep my eye on that fastest runner. Sometimes his name was Alexander. Sometimes his name was Robert. I remember their names. Sometimes, sometimes it was my buddy Stoney. And, 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 and I remember keeping my own them because if I finished not far behind them, I knew I had run a good race. Folks, let's keep our eye on Jesus so that we can persevere and run a good race. Let's shoot for an A in perseverance for the sake of ourselves, for the sake of others in the church, and for the sake of the kingdom of God. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you, God, for your grace, for your love. I thank you, Lord, that we can catch a sight of you so we don't have to quit. Even when it gets hard, even when it gets scary, we don't have to fear. We can be faithful unto death. And we can receive a crown of life. Lord, we pray right now that you will help anybody that is needing to persevere through a condition this morning whether it's a church, whether it's a community, whether it's a, a family, whether it's a person, Lord, whether they're in this house or whether they're in this, uh, whether they're in this on, watching online, Lord, we just pray right now that your spirit will move in such a way that we will just know your grace and know your love and that we will persevere. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.